0: And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. We have all workplaces where everybody has to have a birthday party. Oh, it's your birthday? We've got to have a birthday party. It's Joe's birthday party. Let's have it in the break room. Everybody gets a cake, and we have a piece of cake, and maybe a little ice cream, and sing happy birthday, and how great it is to have Joe working for us. Well, a company in Kentucky uh, always did that. And they had one employee that said, you know what? I don't want a birthday party. Um, I freak out. I have panic attacks. Don't throw me a birthday party. And they threw him a birthday party anyway. And so he had a birthday. He went around the corner and they were saying, Hey, it's your birthday. Yay. We're having a birthday party. Come on. Let's have a birthday party for Kevin. Kevin, it's Kevin's birthday. Yay. So he freaked out and had a panic attack and went outside, went to his car, had his lunch in the car, texted the HR employee and said, Hey, uh, I asked for you not to throw me a birthday party. So uh, I don't know what the deal is, but I'm not going to come back in until the lunch break is over. So after the day of big celebration, he was called into a meeting and he was confronted and criticized for his reaction. That's according to the lawsuit. The confrontation itself triggered another panic attack at the conclusion of this meeting because of the panic attack, he went home. And he said, I'm just going to work from home for the next couple of days. And then uh, three days later, three or four days later, yeah, you know what, Kevin, Uh, we like you, but uh, we're going to go ahead and fire you. You don't have a job here anymore. Wait, what? Yeah, you're fired. We don't like you. So he sued them, alleging disability, discrimination, and retaliation. Now the company has said, look, he uh, was uh, a part of workplace violence. And he was terminated because of a workplace violence policy. And the company stands by the decision. The lady for the company, the CEO, Julie Brazil, said that there's been an increase in incidence of workplace violence, and my employees de-escalated the situation to get the plaintiff out of the building as quickly as possible, while removing his access to the building, alerting me and sending our security reminders to ensure he could not access the building, which is exactly what they were supposed to do. Now, his attorney says, let's be real, my client posed no threat Whatsoever. Well, he was just awarded uh, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the uh, for the lawsuit uh, because of the unwanted party. Uh, and uh, there you have it. Uh, good luck. God bless. He'll take four hundred fifty grand. I don't know. Does he get his job back? Does he even want his job back? Probably not. But it's nice to know that uh, you don't have to have a birthday party if you don't want one. Now, personally, I'm always a fan of the birthday parties. anytime that you get free cake is a plus welcome welcome to chewing the fat i really don't understand what the big deal is i mean if the guy doesn't want to have a birthday party don't throw him a birthday party i've worked there's there's different office managers that all believe in it's a it's nice to have work camaraderie with the birthday party and the break room for whoever birthday it is and it's, you know, it's okay. It's, I'm not, I don't have a panic attack over it. And I don't, you know, as far as birthdays go, you know, I don't believe in them. I think they're silly and uh, they're fine. And you have to have them in real life. Everybody, for some reason, believes that a birthday party is a big deal. I do not. I don't like to I don't to worry about age, but that's just me. But you want to throw a party and bring me some cake. All right, fine. I mean, I'm not going to turn down cake. Okay, so last week on a beach in Texas, I don't know why I think this is so funny, but to me it is. and it's wrong, I know, it's wrong of me to think this is funny, but it just, I can't imagine doing it. A group of people started harassing a dolphin that washed up on shore in Quintana Beach, Texas. So apparently this dolphin washes up on shore. Now, dolphins don't just wash up on shore. So it had to have been some kind of sick dolphin, right? Either wanting to commit suicide or it was sick and just gave up swimming and said, That's it. You know, I'm just washing ashore. I've had enough. I'm gonna die on the beach. Okay? So there he is on the beach, or she. And uh so the crowd starts gathering around her and beachgoers tried to push her back into the water but as they were trying to push her back into the water they're riding her <laughs> <laughs> And they're taking pictures of each other sitting on top of the dolphin. And it's just... <laughs> it was just so wrong. I don't know what I would have done if I was there. I was like, come on now. You can't be doing that. We got to help the dolphin or we have to call for help. Which they eventually did. But it's... Uh, you know, the dolphin ends up dying. And she, she died, I guess, before the rescuers could arrive. Could they have saved her? I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing probably not because, I mean, the dolphin washed up on shore. That's not a natural act for dolphins. So it's something that the dolphin is really sick at the time. <laughs> but if you're a sick dolphin and you wash up on shore and then all of a sudden you got a crowd of people taking pictures, uh, riding on your back and trying to push you out into the water, I mean, they were trying to help but (laughs) I don't know what you'd do Uh, when you're supposed to call for help and apparently this violates the Marine Mammal Protection Act and so civil penalties uh, can go up to 11 grand and a year in prison so all you people that were posted on your Instagram and your TikToks about riding the old dolphin on Quintana Beach County Park this could be a problem could be a problem for you so according to the the experts at the Texas Marine Mammal Stranding Network, and boy, that's a good gig if you can get it. If a live dolphin or whale strands in Texas, please, and I'm guessing just anywhere, but they're specifically talking about this incident, please do not push the animal back to sea. Do not attempt to swim or interact with them. Do not crowd them. Why wouldn't you try to push it back into sea? I mean, if they if they were, you know, feeling bad about life and trying to commit suicide, maybe you push them back into the sea and they go, yeah, you know what, I want to live. And they swim away. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, I'm not, not, you know what, it's not funny. I'll stop laughing about it. I'm serious. Don't do it. If a mammal ends up on the beach that you're on, leave it alone. All right, and call a professional. Don't you dare. Don't you dare walk up to it. Who's a good little dolphin? Are you okay? Don't do it! Don't do it! I mean, they just found a dead hammerhead shark in Florida on the beach, and they had to call in the had to call in the construction workers to pick it up and haul it off. And apparently, it was a pregnant great hammerhead shark. Those are some big old boys. Uh, those sharks grow to be pretty freaking big. I mean, some of them grow to 20 feet long, 900, you know, thousand pounds. And you see them a lot of times, helicopters fly over the beaches in Florida and you can see them swimming out there, the big hammerheads. And, you know, you don't get a lot of human attacks, but they're out there, man. Don't be messing with those hammerheads. But this one, uh, you know, I guess washed up on shore and the people were walking along going, hey, uh, There's a dead hammerhead shark. Now, I don't know that there's footage of anyone riding on it or trying to push it back into the sea. Well, it was already dead. It wasn't swimming. I guess the dolphin maybe was still kind of moving around. So this one, uh, you know, was... And then they find out that it was a mom. And then it was pregnant. So sad. Really sad. But they brought in some forklifts and i well it says the story says a tractor but then they show a picture of a forklift so it was you know a tractor with a forklift on it attached and now uh, they were picking up the big old shark off the beach and everybody's looking at it there's pictures of these little kids looking at this giant shark being hauled off on a forklift <laughs> but don't you touch it all right don't do it all right make sure that you don't do anything to violate the Marine Mammal Protection Act. Are sharks mammals? Because I don't think they are. I don't think sharks are mammals. So you can still, you can mess with them. They're not part of the Protection Act. You can ride on them and push them out to the sea. <laughs> Take selfies with the hammerhead. You can do that with sharks, but not with dolphins, kind of. Kind of a sad, sad day out there on the beaches when you run across a a, do- a dolphin or a shark, really. You know what? It's best just to leave them be and let the authorities take care of it, okay? You know, you could take a selfie, you know, far away, but don't come up close. Could be an issue. I mean, we might as well do Who Died, who died Today? Because, you know, we lost the dolphin and we lost the hammerhead shark. We'll talk about uh, the actress Liz Sheridan passed away at the age of 93. She celebrated her 93rd birthday earlier last week and then she died. She passed away. Uh, She's survived by her daughter and son-in-law. And you ask yourself, wait, who's Liz Sheridan? Well, she she played Jerry Seinfeld's mother in Seinfeld. And she played the Snoopy neighbor in the uh, sitcom ALF. And if she's one of those actresses that you may not know who Liz Sheridan is, but when you see her, you go, Oh, yeah, that's her. And she passed away at 93. Very sad. And she talked about it in her one autobiography uh, that uh, she wrote called Dizzy and Jimmy about her relationship with uh, the young pre-stardom James Dean as they were aspiring Broadway performers. And so I guess she's been working to develop a book. She was still working... Yeah, that's great. And uh, so, you know, we lost uh, Costanza's mother, Estelle Harris. And now we lost Jerry's mother, Liz Sheridan. I mean, times are tough for the older actors that were on Seinfeld and Alf. But anyway, Liz Sheridan, dead at 93 years of age. Rest in peace. I see where the uh, South Carolina inmate has said, Yeah, okay, I'll take the firing squad. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't want the electric chair. (laughs) I've decided. Uh, You're giving me a choice between the electric chair and the firing squad. You know what? I'm going to take the firing squad. Okay, so he's the first state prisoner to face the choice. And since the law went into effect, we talked about the law going into effect, and they spent all kinds of money fixing up the killing room so they're able to juice you or zap you or shoot you. Although they didn't have the juice, they were saying that the electric chair is the default killing method. I'm sorry, execution method. But since the law goes into effect, you get to choose, right? If you don't choose, I'm not going to decide. All right. Well, we're going to we're going to electrocute you then. But if you if you know you give him the choice, you can either you can say ah yeah, I'll take the firing squad, which is what Richard Moore did. So he's going to take the firing squad, and so they went along with this deal because they couldn't get the juice for lethal injection. So, okay, we can't get the juice? No. Okay, well, we're going to electrocute you or we're going to put bullets in you, and so you can make your choice. So, Richard Moore was supposed to be executed on the 29th of April, 2022, and he will be the first person put to death in the state since 2011, if it happens. We will update this story. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. <laughs> mm. So good. <laughs> Well I hope everybody had a swell Easter and uh spent some time with your family as I did and just had fun with all the kiddos. Yes, that was an exciting weekend down in the greater Austin, Texas area. So happy Easter to everybody. I hope you had a great time. I know I did. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> no, really, really I did. Was, oh man, nothing I like doing than spending time with my wife's grandchildren. Man, I just wow, There's just nothing better. Did you know that ninety-seven percent of concert pianists used Steinway pianos when performing during uh, in the world during two thousand eighteen and two thousand nineteen? So, according that's according to to Steinway. So maybe they've you know botched the numbers a little bit, but they filed to go public this week after nine years in the private markets. So I already thought they were public, but they went public in 1996 under the uh, ticker of LVB, short for Ludwig van Beethoven. And now it's going to be STWI for Steinway. So I guess Ludwig wasn't good enough for him anymore. They're going to go back public and uh, be be STWY for Steinway. So if you want to invest, it's all yours. They're looking to go public. Congratulations to Steinway. So if you have a Toyota or a Lexus, they're being recalled. 460,000 vehicles from 2020 through 2022 model years. Uh, I do not have a 2020 through 2022 model year vehicle in my driveway uh, but that includes the Toyota Highlander the Hybrid the RAV4 Hybrid the RAV4 Prime the Venza uh, SUVs the Toyota Sienna Minivan the Toyota Mirai Hydrogen Fuel Cell Sedan the Lexus LS500 H Sedan and the Lexus LX600 NX35 OH and NX450H plus SUVs if you have any of those are being recalled okay it's a software problem with the electronic stability control the ESC systems. Huh, yeah, okay, it's scary out there on the road. When you turn your car on, the ESC may not automatically turn on when the car is started. So, huh, that means you're not in compliance with federal motor vehicle safety standards. So, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be out of compliance ...with the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. So you take it back to your Toyota dealership or your Lexus dealer... ...and you say, hey, uh, I've got an ESC system that is not in compliance... ...with the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. And then they'll go ahead and give you a software update free of charge... ...and send you on your way. (laughs) Now, I get it. The ESC, they claim here is critical, critical to the safety feature that can keep a car from sliding out of control in a sharp turn. It can also avoid the types of crashes where vehicles are likely to roll over. Okay, I mean, in my life, I don't know how many times I can tell you that I've been in a situation where my car might slide out of control in a sharp turn, or my car may crash and roll over. Because the number of times that that has happened is, well... Maybe two, maybe two, but you know, if you're driving one of these cars and, uh, you have, uh, you know, you need to take it in and get it get it fixed. Okay. Get that software update for free. Cause we don't want any other, we don't want anyone, anyone. And I mean this, we don't want anyone to be in non-compliance with the federal motor vehicle safety standards. So get that fixed. Uh, Amazon is going to charge uh, merchants more money now. Oh. Uh, That's nice of them. Yeah, you know, it's just because of, you know, fuel costs rising. That's it though. Yeah, that's all. I mean, Amazon, (laughs) we're going to start getting charged more for everything. And who do you think is going to pay the extra money to, for the products that is now being made by these companies that Amazon is delivering? I don't know. Who could that be? So it's going to impose an average of 5% fuel and inflation surcharge on merchants to warehouse and ship their products in the United States in response to rising costs, of course. It's Amazon's first such surcharge and follows months of higher wage and labor-related expenses that have chipped away, yeah, at the online retailer's profit. So, geez, all of that going on, and who ends up paying for all of that? Not. Not you and me, the customers, no way. It's, God, it's the evil rich Jeff Bezos that gets charged, right? And all those other CEOs of making products that Amazon delivers. That's who's going to pay, right? Right. So, beginning at the end of this month, uh, April of 2022, they're going to charge an average of 24 cents. More per unit, it stores and ships through its fulfillment by Amazon FBA service. The surcharge is not permanent. Uh Uh-huh. And it's a mechanism broadly used across supply chain providers. Uh, That's the message that it sent to merchants. It's broadly used. We're we're not doing anything any different than anyone else. (laughs) We've experienced significant cost increases and absorbed them wherever possible. But we're trying to reduce the impact on our selling partners. Oh, okay, no problem. Now, so far, Amazon has only announced a surcharge in the United States, which is its obviously its biggest market right now. And sellers can avoid the higher cost by shipping goods to customers directly. Right, but hello, uh you count on Amazon's fast delivery with Prime. You want that deal. You want people to be able to get your product, you know, dropped in the backyard from the Amazon drone. Otherwise, it's like I go to Amazon and I order my whatever I'm going to order. And yeah, we get it to you next week. Or I can order one that's under the umbrella of Amazon and have it at my front door today. Which one am I going to choose? Which one am I going to choose? I don't know which one. Okay, poison pill, poison pill, poison pill, poison pill, poison pill, poison pill. If I hear freaking poison pill one more freaking time, man, I am gonna go. I can't take it. I can't take it. So, Twitter enacted poison pill, which is you know trying to thwart Elon's hostile takeover bid. So we'll see if they can make that happen. Most of the most people think it will work. Other people think it won't. It happens worked in the past. And so we'll see, you know, the company intentionally dilutes the share value by offering shareholders uh, the opportunity to buy more at a discounted rate. And then the company is less attractive or downright financially infeasible for an acquisition target. We'll see if it works. I know Netflix and Papa John's have done it in the past. And so we'll see, you know, it's worked before, but I don't know that they can get away with it this time because it's a lot of money. And a lot of people, you know, really want Elon to take it over. And so, and there's a lot of people embedded in the system that don't want that to happen. So we'll see. I know yesterday, uh, they were talking about, uh, the Twitter followers or Elon asked his Twitter followers, whether his boycott buyout offer should be decided by shareholders, not the board. Well, everybody says yes to that. But with the poison pill, with the poison pill, poison pill, uh, you know, happens, then that steps aside the shareholder votes. So we'll see. And you could buy more stock while it's cheaper. Right then at the point of purchasing it at the cheaper price, it pretty much is doubling your money. Or, you know, at least, uh, you know, you're getting a third more depending on how much the liquidation cost of those stocks are. Anyway, I'm not a stock guy. I'm not an investment guru. I just have a, you know, a little bit of understanding of what they're trying to do. And I'm just sick of hearing poison pill. And so we'll see. And I know that even Jack... At Jack is for the deal. He's like, make it happen. Let's go. So is Jack Is Jack a conservative now? No. I just feel that the board and the embedded mindset at Twitter is so anti-free speech that it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to go in there. That's a swamp and in and of itself, man. And I don't know that you get it out. I don't know that you clean it out. You know, it's tough... It's tough to clean out a swamp. Just look around. (music) So yesterday we got the news that the mask mandate was voided. A federal judge in Florida said, yeah, no, it's, that's not happening. It's unconstitutional. So the major airlines immediately dropped the mask mandate. They were telling passengers on flights midair, yeah, it's over. Uh, you don't have to wear your mask anymore. We're sick and tired of having to tell people to wear our, wear your mask. Only the really hardcore crossing guard flight attendants will be pissed that they can't, uh, you know, lower the hammer on people. You're not wearing your mask right. Put it up over your nose. Only those people will be upset. Uh, And only the people who think it has to be mandated will be the people that are going to be upset over, I can't believe that you're going to make people fly without a mask. It's unsafe. Well, you get to still decide whether you wear a mask or not. It's up to you. That's been the fight all along, okay? We want you feel safe. So if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to wear a hazmat suit, wear a hazmat suit. It's okay. So they've removed it on uh, Amtrak and uh, the airplanes and on the buses. And I went to a doctor's office this morning in the great state of Texas, which was making people wear masks, no matter what, Today, the sign went up, and apparently the sign went up yesterday afternoon, just like the airlines, man. When the news came down, boom, the hammer went down on all of it. They hung the sign, masked, are encouraged, but no longer required. And then they have, unless you have signs of illness. Well, if you have signs of illness, you know, you should already be, this was a different type. This was not an illness doctor. Uh, this was a doctor that was dealing in other ailments. And uh, so if you have some sort of other illness, you probably shouldn't be going to this particular doctor anyway. But I digress. So good news. You can still wear a mask if you want, but you don't have to if you don't want to. And I see Uber also uh, dropped it down too. So good, good. And don't talk to me about the judge is a Trump judge and she's too young uh huh, and all the other Trump judges that uh, are making uh, rulings on the January sixth defendants. Uh, you like those judges? Is that does it matter if it's a Trump judge or not, or does it matter? I'm not sure. Well, what I'm supposed to be? Am I supposed to, I'm only supposed to be mad if they make rulings against what you like, right? Okay, just want to make sure I have that. Clear, no problem. And I see where they were picketing. Uh, pilots were picketing out here in Texas in Love Field, and I went, "What the heck is going on?" So apparently, uh, Southwest Airlines uh, are a little wound up. Okay, uh, pilots. The the pilots' union wrote to the CEO that, "Hey, fatigue, both acute and cumulative, has become Southwest Airlines' number one safety threat." So what they're saying is maybe if you are getting on a plane, uh, maybe you ought to look into the old pilot's eyes. <laughs> you know, instead of taking a peek into the cockpit, maybe you ought to look up at the pilot and go, dude, how you doing? You alright? I mean, if you were to say that, dude, how you doing? Is the pilot going to say, oh, I'm just so tired. I just I just want to sit down and go to sleep. The pilot's not going to say that. But maybe if he does, you're like, okay, well, uh, why don't you do that, and uh, we'll go find another pilot. We'll just sit out here on the tarmac for four or five hours until they get another pilot, because that's what's going to happen, right? So they have all kinds of problems going on. They, The union insists that problems that existed last year during the pandemic are no better this year. They say that reports showing errors can be directly correlated to fatigue, the pilots have filed increasing number of aviation safety action program reports, which show errors. And so that's still going on. They say, uh, there has been a 350%, 350% more fatigue reports than in March of 2019. Okay. Pilots take aim at the operational systems. Uh, they believe that it's, Breaking, broken down to management of the network, pilot scheduling and that's just destroyed the, uh, the efficiency and now safety is becoming untenable so you know you've got bad weather you've got uh, airlines changing schedules, you've got people not getting enough sleep and you're concerned that your pilots are working overtime and flying back and forth and that's a tough gig man and I understand, uh, but I just, you know, you know what? Put it on, put it on cruise and take a nap. Okay, I'm okay with that too. But once you get it in the air, I care about you taking off and I care about you landing. When we're up in the air, put that baby on cruise and go to sleep. I'm okay with that. As a passenger, I'm okay with that. We start getting close to the airports that you're taking me to, wake back up, slap your face, sip a cup of coffee, and get us on the ground. Maybe that's what's happening now. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know that I'm not not necessarily ready for the uh, pilotless plane to take me, but I am okay with just get us off the ground, take a nap, and then wake up, open your eyes, stretch out a little bit, take a look at what's going on, take over the helm, get us on the ground. I'm all about that. No problem. And again, that's probably what's happening now. Hopefully, the pilot doesn't have sexomnia, Because then, you know, the pilot doesn't want to go to sleep on the plane because they suffer from sexomnia. So apparently, if you have uh, sexomnia, it's a condition that can lead to, you know... Well, this story says it could lead to some embarrassing overnight visits. Oh, okay. So it's a condition like sleepwalking, but involves sex acts. It's a rare type of parasomnia. The sexomnia sleep disorder can result in a variety of behaviors. People with the condition have been known to take care of themselves, make sexual vocalizations, touch a partner, and even experience spontaneous orgasms all while sleeping. Some even initiate, intercourse with a partner. So, I mean, that's not really necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, are you walking out the door as a sexomniac and just grabbing the first person you see? See that's now you're in trouble. That's what I'm saying about the pilots. If the pilot falls asleep and then, you know, there's a sexomnia sufferer, I mean you're grabbing the co pilot or the whoever comes into the cockpit. Gives it does give a whole new meaning <laughs> Oh, never mind. (laughs) Gives a whole new meaning to where the pilots sit, though, doesn't it? (laughs) So in a study conducted in 2017, 17 whole cases were reported out of 16,000 studied patients. The same study also found that 47% of patients had a history of sleepwalking and or night terrors, but that's forty seven percent of the patients out of the seventeen, not the sixteen thousand, right? So you're looking at forty seven percent of patients had a history of sleepwalking and night terrors. So eight people seven you know, seven people in the seventeen had were sleepwalkers and had night terrors. Most people suffering from the condition won't remember anything they did or said during the night, I can guarantee you. If I get busted, I am a sexomniac. And you know, sorry, man, it's my sexomnia kicking in. I thought I, I thought I had kicked it, but apparently not. It's uh I wake uh, you know I've woken up and why am I in this bedroom of my neighbor? <laughs> uh no, officer, it's not rape, it's not breaking and entering. I'm a sexomniac. And that's just the way it is. I'm sorry. Let me just go back home. I don't even remember what I'm doing over here. Uh, they're talking about the one lady. She said she uh, was moaning so loudly in her sleep it woke up her friend's entire family leading them to believe that she was you know, taking care of a little business while she was staying at their house, but she was all alone and woke up the next day, no clue that anything had occurred. I mean, that's just a loud dream, right? That's not being a sex Alright, so I guess if you have uh, stress, lack of sleep, even exhaustion could be a factor to create your sex-somnia. And some sex experience the effects of the disorder more often than others. Right! I mean, sometimes this lady wakes up a few times a month and she's, you know, taking care of a little business with herself. And uh, she's blaming uh, the sexomnia for the, for the issue. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i sure that there's plenty of sex experts out there that will tell you, hey, this is a real thing. And this is something we need to take serious. Okay, I take it serious. You got me. I, You got me. Uh, therapy is important. Perhaps you need to take care of that to manage the disorder. I think therapy is important for all of you sexomniacs. But that's just me. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm just playing one here on chewing the fat. But in some cases, medication can help. What kind of medication can help you with the old sexomnia issue? Just some kind of medication that knocks you out at night? Uh, make sure you talk to your doctor, though. If you are concerned or experiencing symptoms of sexomnia. Talk to your doctor. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart here on Chewing the Fat. If you are experiencing symptoms of sexomnia, after you email me and let me know that you're experiencing symptoms of sexomnia at theblaze.com. then talk to your doctor. Uh, but let me know exactly what experiences you're experiencing and uh, we'll go from there. I'd like to hear from any somniacs we have in the Chewing the Fat audience. I mean that, seriously. <laughs> Congratulations are in order. It was an Easter miracle. The Ever Forward container ship uh, was freed Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, after being stuck. In the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland for over a month now. That's how long it's been. Wow, we talked about that uh, not long ago. About it continuing to be stuck. And uh, it's finally freed. It was the third attempt to free the nearly 1,100 foot vessel. It was traveling from Baltimore to Norfolk. and got stuck in at least 10 feet of mud while attempting a turn near the Bay Bridge. Oh, uh, maybe it made the turn too short? I don't know. Uh, they claim that it's uh, because of the marsh and if you ever stepped in the marsh with your boot and then you try to pull pull it out your foot comes out but not your boot yeah it's kind of the same thing only you know it's a ship and not your boot uh so they've assisted they did all kinds of things. they removed they plan to removed uh they plan to remove 500 of the 4900 containers on board to lighten its weight although i don't know that they actually did do that Because they had the navigation channel that they were digging around. They were dredging and they push and pull tugboat operations. And so they kept trying to do it. They resulted in dredging up 43 feet, resulting in 206,280 cubic yards of material being dredged and taken taken away to Poplar Island, which I hear is beautiful this time of year. And the material is being used to offset erosion at the Paul S. Sarbanes ecosystem restoration project. Of course, I mean, why wouldn't you use? I mean, you might as well use it for something instead of just throwing it along the side of the road. (laughs) So I'm sure Paul S. Sarbanes ecosystem restoration project said, hey, we'll take some of that stuff over here. And so they only work during the day because, heaven forbid, anybody work at night. We don't have anything bad happening at night. And so they finally you know, said, hey, the vastness and complexity of this response was historic. And it was a collaboration with the Evergreen Marine Corporation and dedicated responders that resulted in the successful refloating of the Ever Forward, while, of course, ensuring the safety of the public and response personnel and Mitigating pollution potential. We can't have any of that. And what about economic impacts? Yeah, we got to minimize that too. No kidding. And so the containers were taken to their original onboarding facility at Seagirt Marine Terminal in Baltimore, offloaded and shore based with shore based handling gear. Uh, after the containers were removed, two pulling barges. Oh, yeah, so they were all removed. They did take those off. And then they used two pulling barges, two dug, two tugs, and two tugs. Two from, okay, so there's two different. They took two tugs from the Don John Dash Smith, two tugs from Moran, and two tugs from McAllister, freed the Ever Forward at approximately 7 a.m. Sunday morning. So remember about a year ago, uh, we had the uh, sister ship... Ever Given got stuck in the Suez Canal for around a week. Uh, What's up with the Evers? How about you don't ever freaking do it again? How about that? How about we do that with the Evers? The whole Ever family. Ma and Pa Ever and the kids Ever and every freaking Ever. Don't get stuck again. (laughs) You see the picture in Buffalo, New York? That's not funny. I'm not laughing. How dare... It's not funny. The historic... World War Two Fletcher-class destroyer ship that they have uh, in Buffalo. And so all of a sudden, it starts sinking. And the pictures of it, it's just... It's in between ships and the docks. And it's, it's just starting to sink. And they don't know what happened. Uh, somebody put a hole in it. That's what happened. Okay? I could be wrong. Maybe it's something else. But usually, when things that float don't float anymore, yeah, there's a hole in it. I know. It's just... The way it goes. They have dewatering efforts continuing as we speak. The large dewatering pumps capable of removing 13,000 gallons per minute have been placed on site. So more than 3 million gallons of water are inside the ship. We don't know why. We just wondered what was going on. We just, uh, you know, we saw it starting to sink and then, uh, all right, we figured hey, uh, that's a critical piece of our nation's naval heritage. We probably ought to not let it sink. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah, no kidding. We don't know what happened to it. Uh, you know, with bad weather. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it happened. We don't know how we're going to repair it. But we just know we don't want it to sink. So the pictures of it are awesome. It's not funny, and I'm sorry that it happened. But I just kind of find it like, We're not sure exactly what happened. Yeah, uh, that's a problem. Uh, That's a little bit of a problem. Another thing that's a problem, as long as we're talking about ships, although this is just a boat, okay? It's just a fishing boat. It's not a ship, all right? It's a 20-meter long, that's 65 feet, vessel called the AKT-1. And Wednesday, they intercepted this ship, the Spanish police, They intercepted this ship, uh, had three tons, 3.3 short tons, three metric tons of cocaine. Uh, It seems to me, and I'm, you know, I'm out of the business. (laughs) I'm out of the business right now. It seems to me like that's quite a bit. (laughs) So the Spanish police have arrested five crew members, four Turkish citizens, and one person from the ex- Soviet Republic of Georgia. They were on the ship that was smuggling the drugs in a fuel tank. The drugs were believed to come from an unspecified location in South America. The Spanish Air Patrol spotted the suspicious ship while it was trying to hide among a fleet of fishing vessels. (laughs) we just travel with these. We're good. We're no problem. I mean... You'd think that maybe they would have had a deal with the fishing vessels to say, yeah, they're fishing with us. Although, oof, I mean, you don't want to get be the head of the shipping vessels, the fishing vessels with that deal. But, you know, just you can ride along with us. No problem for a little extra cash. If you get caught, you get caught. They're cracking down. that they, they call the African route to South American traffickers who transfer loads of drugs to fishing vessels in the middle of the Atlantic before smuggling them into Europe. Yeah, they got the big route, and now that's what they do. They just kind of ride along with the fishing vessels. (whistles) Don't mind us with our 300 tons. I'm sorry, three metric tons of cocaine, not 300. My gosh, we're not talking ships. This is a fishing boat, Jeff. There's only 3.3 short tons of cocaine on this ship. (laughs) It seems like quite a bit. I, you know, again, I could be wrong. It seems like quite a bit of cocaine. And I'll mention it one more time. If you have any time I do stories about, uh, you know, ships and fishing vessels and cocaine being smuggled uh, around the world. If you haven't watched 000 on Amazon, watch it. It is fascinating from the very beginning to the end. On a shipment of cocaine, from how it gets created to how it gets shipped to how it gets delivered to how it gets spread out, is just amazing. It's called Zero 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 on Amazon. And you can watch Batman on HBO Max too now. The Batman that I had to see it at the theaters, I had to see it. I can watch it on HBO Max now too because it's available. So enjoy Batman. But for sure, if you want to watch, uh, you know, cartels and the movement of drugs around the world, zero, zero, zero. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.